Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia. All the respect in the world for them and you know they handled this rather easily in the preseason to be honest with you. T.J. Watt out. The Bills are a significantly better football team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I think the Bills, they should win by, by double digits. I would expect it to be a relatively tough game. Honestly, I think they're going to win, but I wouldn't expect an easy one. I don't think anything is easy at this time. Mike Danger. You can't lose to Mason Rudolph at home in the playoffs. I'm going to tell you right now, I think the Bills win that game just based on better quarterback, more talent, obviously better team, right? But I don't know that it's by two scores. Gene Bataglia. My concern, I'll say right off the bat, and what is the great equalizer in football? It's the weather. Who knows what can happen, Danger, if uh, you know things kind of get mucked up there. So, yeah, this is not a layup, so to speak, against the Steelers coming up. Michigan National Championship. Oh, who cares? We're going to say. Cheating works. On to the Sabres. Hey, Seattle. The booing is okay. It just means you're hockey ready. Let's go, Amherst. 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan. Rochester. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did the Dandelorian call the college football national championship of Francesa? Oh, who cares? That's the college football national championship, my dude. That's that's not a Francesa. That's a big deal. It's a big deal that Michigan won their first title since, what, 97? The, the game itself may be a Francesa. Did not have any suspense. Never never once did I think Michigan was in danger in that game. Uh, late in the game, there was still a little bit hanging in the balance. You had uh, a big play to Roma Dunze, who I love, that got called back because of a penalty. And that, that was at that point that I'm like, yeah, probably not going to happen for the Huskies tonight. Didn't feel like it. And, and yeah, Michigan, for the most part, had total control of that game. You know, that first quarter was unfortunate for Washington's defense, giving up as much as they gave up early on. And were never really able to claw out of that hole that they dug for themselves. But to call it a Francesa, Dan DeLorean, just bold, bold to call the national championship in college football a big who cares. Well, it's done, and Michigan gets the win, and now we wait and see what the next move for Jim Harbaugh is. Uh, wondering if Michael Penix uh, lost any draft stock with last night's performance. I mean, look, it was a gutty performance. You could tell he wasn't 100% down the stretch of that game, but is he sliding from the first round of the second round because he, he couldn't close out Michigan? I don't know. It'll be uh, fun to watch what happens here over the course of the next couple, the, the aftermath of Michigan winning their college Football National Championship. 
Bill's players off today, but there you go. It was <laughs> it was Pittsburgh today. Getting from we learned today that uh, Mason Rudolph will be QB one. Okay. I want to get in a quick. Normally we don't do calls, but uh, we like Justin to run a quick. He's got to go to work. He's we got do, a good we point. We do calls. We just, yeah, not, not right off the top though. No. Justin, what's going on, buddy? Hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, just real quick about the. I uh, what I'm worried about is not losing to Mason Rudolph. It's uh, Mike Tomlin and that running game. Um, we always seem to stick in nickel and dime, and I feel like Miami would have uh, kept running the ball. I know we did a better job in the second half, but I feel like if they had stuck with it. They probably would have taken that. Oh, we lost Justin. All yeah. right. Sorry, Justin. Yeah, look, you can be nervous about Mike Tomlin. Sean McDermott talking earlier, uh, not earlier today. This is, uh, I believe, from yesterday on on Mike Tomlin and, and Tomlin coach teams in general. They're extremely resilient. Um, you know, uh, I think I think just he, he puts a lot on his leadership group, it appears, uh, from the outside at least. And he's had he has some veteran players on, on this team and uh, talented veteran players. And and so um, I think that's really what, what you see when you when you watch his teams play over the years. And, and and how impressive is it? Like the, he's never had a losing record um, in the NFL. I mean, do you marvel at that at, at that statistic? And what do you make of it? I do. Um, you know, he's one of the best coaches um, in the league, and, and I believe that. And he's been at this for a long time. Um, you know, won a Super Bowl, and um, and to your point, that he's been able to sustain success over over a number of years. Lots of respect between these two guys. We didn't do a McDermott McLaws on that one. I mean, there's. Hard to come up with, you know, when he's heaping praise on Mike Tomlin, I think that's probably genuine. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to the Mason Rudolph 30 second soundbite tomorrow where we like that. They just pour it on about the Steelers. Um, Justin brings up a point, though. Jalen Warren, if you had to design the way the Steelers would win this game, that's it, right? Like it's any game. I mean, when you talk about a physical style of play. Like the Bills did to the Cowboys a few weeks ago, or even a little bit against Miami. Miami's a finesse team. You out physical them, you're going to win the game. Now, you referenced that preseason game. Sean McDermott referencing the preseason game where they got whooped. I mean, look, that was the preseason, and the Bills didn't really show up. They kind of like took that day off. And so much so that I, if I remember correctly, their poor performance in that preseason game forced them to play in the next preseason game a little bit more than Sean McDermott. Right. Wanted. Yeah. The, the game in Chicago. Correct. Right. And so, you know, but that came that was born of a physical style of play that the Bills just couldn't match. If you can if you can get physical, any team can come in and beat the Buffalo Bills and Pittsburgh's a physical team. They've always been a physical team. I'm not worried about not. I'm more. I'd be more worried about Devon Achan than I would be about Najee Harris or Jalen Warren. Yeah, well, it just goes to what Mike McDaniel. What was he thinking the other night there? Basically, with uh, you had Achan working in the first half, and then you abandoned it. Why? Because the Bills stopped it a couple He's times. He's smart. He's a cerebral coach, and he probably outsmarted himself. He probably just outsmarted himself, and and you know wasn't able to make the adjustments that the Bills were able to make. Bill's making defensive adjustments. This was the same thing week four. You know, for whatever you want to think about Sean McDermott, the head coach, his two games against Miami this year were fantastic. And it it speaks to uh, a gap 
in his experience as a defensive coordinator and a head coach versus McDaniel's lack of experience as an offensive play caller and a head coach. Because if I'm not mistaken, McDaniel was never the play caller in San Francisco. I don't think he was no, ever the offensive no, coordinator. No, he was never. He's just the run game coordinator. Right. So you come into this situation, and you're, I mean, look, he's still learning. He's done a good job in a short amount of time, and the Dolphins are in the conversation, and they're a playoff team for two years in a row. I mean, that's all great. But in those moments, yeah, Sean McDermott has absolutely outclassed Mike McDaniel. Can he do it against Mike Tomlin? Different story. I mean, it was last year that the Bills absolutely throttled Pittsburgh. Similar kind of situation, right? I believe T.J. Watt was out in that game as well. Yeah, uh, their safety, Fitzpatrick. I remember he was on like one wheel, and that led to a long Gabe Davis right? touchdown. Yep. So uh, it, it's it's not something you can automatically pencil in. I know we have a lot of Steeler fans listening, and the Bills are the team in the NFL that can beat anybody. And as evident by losing to New England, uh, they could also lose to anybody. Uh, Next on the list, the Pittsburgh Steelers, honestly. And yes, Baltimore division rival, those games are, they beat Baltimore twice. Beat them twice. So if that doesn't get you to sit up straight here a little bit in Buffalo this week, uh, you've got to put in a good week of work during practice. Well, I tell you, we uh, came out the gates flashing strong here in the sports bar this afternoon, taking calls at 866-4326. We didn't even set the table. What kind of hosts are we? Let's set the table for you here with a great afternoon of sports talk ahead uh, here from the uh, studios at High Falls in downtown Rochester, 95.7 FM and AM 950. We appreciate you checking us out on the video stream as well. We're uh, up at the Fan Rochester on YouTube, our channel on YouTube, and also on Twitch at the Fan Rochester and in the free-to-download Odyssey app as always. We will talk Amherst Hockey later this afternoon with head coach Seth Appert. The one and only time this year the Amherst get on a plane, and that would be to Charlotte coming up, where Friday night they uh, take on the the checkers in, is it Bojangles Arena? Whatever arena they play in. But Saturday, downtown Charlotte, that's going to be the outdoor game. Uh, Don Stevens will have the call Saturday night here on the Fan Rochester. So, uh, interesting week ahead here for the Amherst. Uh, you have... You have an NHL goalie on the roster now, and Eric Comrie. How long will this last? Uh, I listened to his comments Friday night uh, on my way back from the RT game, and I mean Comrie said all the all the right things. He seems to be have a positive mindset. We'll let Seth kind of explain where his team is at here. Seth Appert, head coach of the Rochester Americans, coming up in the four o'clock hour. And you know we'll talk some more Bills and Steelers later this hour, about fifteen minutes or so from now. As he does every Tuesday afternoon, Matt Perino from the Syracuse Post-Standard will be joining us. Let's give Matt some credit because there's been a lot of receipts, right? And the Bills did this themselves like, hey, you know, the Bills are out. Everything else is when they were 6-6. Six and six. Matt, after that Kansas City win, actually predicted the Bills would win out and take the division. And this is exactly what happened here. So uh, the Buffalo Bills, who have not lost uh, since the month of November, we'll talk to Matt Perino coming up here in about 325, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, the Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman line is open. You can join us anytime. 866-4FAN, 866-4326. Award-winning barbecue from Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub, the new location, 135 West Commercial Street in East Rochester. GoodSmokeBBQ.com. Yeah, so the coaching carousel can Continuing today, and I think this one you can file under a little bit of a surprise because I don't fault this coach for what happened this year because I look at their quarterback situation, 
and just look at the talent. I'm like, no, no one thought the Tennessee Titans were going to go anywhere this year, even in that division. Yet, Mike Vrabel got fired today. Diana Rossini from The Athletic is actually reporting that there was chatter that the Titans would try to trade Mike Vrabel to New England, but it would take too long and too messy, so they just decided to fire him anyways. Uh, and that'll only increase the chatter of Rabel to New England if they indeed move on from Bill Belichick at some point. This wasn't that surprising to me, actually. Um, I, I know that he's a good head coach, and he's established himself as a good head coach. And whatever team he's coaching for next season, you know, will be paying attention to that. But what made it not surprising to me is just what we know about Vrabel, the man, the personality of Mike Vrabel. This is a stubborn guy. And I imagine through the years, and, and I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong, but I imagine that through the years, mistakes have been made within that organization. Moves have been made that Vrabel probably certainly didn't agree with. Trading A.J. AJ Brown, Brown, drafting Malik Willis, not adding, you know, they added DeAndre Hopkins because that that's the kind of guy that Mike Vrabel believes can win you football games, but they didn't want to, to do that. I mean, like there was, so, there, so there's, there's a disconnect between coach and GM, how the GM is building the team versus what the coach actually wants, players that are getting drafted that the coach doesn't have any interest in. And I imagine just from the body language, just from the comments we hear from Mike Vrabel, that he's a stubborn, pig-headed, my way or the highway kind of guy. A lot of football coaches are that way. Arrogant, stubborn, won't give in. I know more than everybody else. Well, when you're working with a general manager, you can have your disagreements and you can, but you have to find a way to work together. You have to find a common ground. You have to find harmony. And it sounds as if, or it feels to me as if uh, that, that was probably it. That Vrabel and the GM just didn't see eye to eye on the direction of the team. I mean, let's face it. You could have gotten uh, a haul of draft picks if you move on from Derrick Henry before the season starts, if you trade Ryan Tannehill before the season starts. I mean, there's a lot of players on that team. If you're going to trade A.J. Brown, there's there's more that you could do if you want to rebuild. And and he wasn't able to do that. He wasn't willing to do that. Or the, the question is, we don't know what is between the GM, the new GM and Vrabel. And that's probably what this is. When the other guy got fired, they hired a guy named Rand Carthen, came yeah. over from the Niners as the player personnel guy. And Well, Carthen, Vrabel's not... Carthen's hire. So now Carthen gets to really put his thumbprint on this team. So I guess from that respect, danger, when you don't kind of line it up, like the Bills are lined up here. Yeah. Bean and McDermott, that's the way you want it. And for anyone that says that Vrabel to New England, I'd say good, two thumbs up, because the way I think it should be done is you hire the GM first, who then hires his head coach, not the other way around. Yes, it worked out that way in Buffalo because already McDermott and Bean had that relationship. My point is, if you're going to hire Vrabel in New England, who exactly is going to be the GM? Who makes those decisions? Can't be Mike Vrabel. Like, it's certainly not going to be Bill Belichick. Well, I don't see Bill Belichick saying, you know what, I'll uh, be How good of a salesman is Mike Vrabel? Because Mike Vrabel, I'm sure, wanted that kind of control, being that he was as vocal as he was trying to, you know, be involved in player and personnel and trying to get, you know, his team 
get the players for his team in his in a mold that he wanted and always kind of went head to head with management with with the GM and the player personnel guys. Can he go in to the crafts and say, I'm next. I can be what Belichick was all these years. I can be your GM and I can be your head coach. I wouldn't take that leap of faith if I was the crafts. No, I th- I think if, if Rabel were smart, he would interview for the job and he's got an inside track. He's in the Patriot Hall of Fame. He's got that red blazer. You know, they come out in there. Yeah. He, you know, Robert Kraft kind of viewed Tom Brady as almost a son. And I think Vrabel is in that same vein. So Vrabel to New England, honestly, if you had to say yes or no, I I think it happens. But are they going to do it the right way? Meaning you need a full-time GM there. It can't be the same thing that's been going on there. Yeah, and back to Tennessee, we say this all the time. Dysfunction starts at the top. And... Tennessee's a dysfunctional organization. Vrabel kind of hid the dysfunction for a while there, and you were able to, to you know, win games and get into the postseason and upset Baltimore one year as Baltimore was the one seed that one year. You were able to get some big wins, but ultimately you have a dysfunctional ownership. You have an ownership now that's siding with a new GM rather than trying to make this work. And, it, you know, if they're not seeing eye to eye, you're out of here. We're going to go our direction. You go yours. The frustration just went, look, I would have left after you traded AJ Brown. <laughs> I would have been, I give Rabel credit for being that patient for sticking it out for another couple of seasons after they said, you know what we need to do? Let's move on from AJ Brown. Let's trade AJ Brown. We that don't was- want to pay AJ Brown. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. That wasn't a Vrabel decision. So you can't really blame him for a lot of what's going on with the Titans you could, you know, we could have the debate about whether or not we think Vrabel is a good head coach. I'm not really sure that I know that he's a good head coach. I, I, I don't like the body language. I mean, a lot of times he's he's got a lot of that Josh McDaniel kind of always yeah. pouty, you know, like just always kind of looks like he's in a sour mood. Like, why are you so pissy? What's wrong? I I know that you're a competitor. You're a football guy. You want to run through a wall. But even Dan Campbell has like a different kind of body language. You know, like you're a tough guy, we get it. But it, Vrabel just seems a little bit whiny, a little a little childish sometimes. Well, and he also has the benefit of working in Nashville, not exactly a tough media market, let's be honest. It's an entertainment town. And uh, if you uh, poll people, probably college football is much bigger there in Nashville. So uh, Vrabel, if he wants to go back to New England or wherever else, uh, whoever else will give him a job, uh, he'll have to t- uh, face much tougher media scrutiny. So, yeah, you think it's not a surprise? I think it's a little bit of a surprise because where do the Titans go? Probably some no-name coordinator, yeah. right? And and we can look at this day and say, like, all right, they made a mistake. I mean, I, I, how many times in in our lives have your favorite team moved on from a coach prematurely? And you you look at you look back and you're like, that was a mistake. It's going to take a long time for them to recover from that mistake. Well, it, you have to ask the question: Is Will Levis the guy or not? It's too soon to tell. But there's something there that you want to explore. It like next year should be exciting. So what should happen, Danger? It's like the full-court press for Ben Johnson or anybody else. Hey, come work with this quarterback. Can you work with this quarterback? And whenever you put a quarterback through multiple coordinators and systems, that's the dangerous part here. Yeah. Like you're going to turn the page here and like he's got to learn a whole new system. There's so many 
uh, scenarios that can play out between now and the draft, right? Like we could find out between now and the draft that Will Levis won't be the quarterback in Tennessee next year, that they trade for somebody or, you know, any of these openings change dramatically. If you have a quarterback change, what's going on with Kirk Cousins? What are the Raiders going to do? Like there's a lot of care. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of dominoes that need to fall. Um, but I would imagine that, yeah, that's probably pre- prerequisite. Number one, can you work with Will Levis? If you're an incoming head coach, uh, into the Tennessee Titans organization. I don't think they're recovering from this anytime. I think this this move solidifies that the Titans are going to be a sub-500 team for at least the next couple of seasons. Which probably from a business standpoint is fine. When is their new dome open? Yeah, they've already got their money. Yeah, they got their money. So like we were like, you need to sell the, the new stadium. Who's in fact, yeah, you're watching that game on Sunday. Like you realize Ooh, that stadium is outdated. There they was nobody yet. there no. either. I mean, like also like poorly, poorly attended um, for a game where, hey, if you hate your division rival, you're going to that game to watch them beat them and knock them out of the postseason. They did. I'll give them credit. They did what my Bears couldn't do at Lambeau. Did you see there were Steeler fans there? They were just in Steeler gear cheering on. <laughs> now, here, here's a funny story, and this involves a sports bar regular. So um, Joey Kipchoge. Joey, ah. Joey Whalen. So he's in the U.S. Olympic trials for the marathon. He's going to do one tune-up. Well, he, the race is in Houston this week. So his fiance Monica, um, she's going to go down there, but he's not going out to the game. You got to get your rest the night before everything else. She's going to go to the, just for fun, the Texans-Browns game. Oh, nice. By herself and wear Bill's gear. <laughs> so like, you know, it's like people are like, wait, what? What is going on here? Like, that's the fun thing. Have you ever done the I'm going to a pro sporting event by yourself? Can't, uh, I have. It, it was called the Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't wear uh, a different team's jersey though. Like that. That's a bold move. I don't know that I would do that. Like any. Like okay, you're going to the Sabers game tonight. It's uh, the Sabers and the Kraken. I'm not rolling up with a Montreal Canadiens jersey or my Blackhawks jersey or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That that is bold. That so. that that would be very very bold. She's gonna. I don't know if it's a Josh Allen jersey, but going there. So if you're watching the game on Saturday, Texans and Browns, and you see a woman. In Bill's gear, like what you know, by herself, like what is that? You know, the the power move, the move that has yet to be replicated. We've only seen it once, and it was it was executed by a celebrity during the postseason a couple of years ago. And since it's happened, we haven't seen it. Oh, since. the Rob Lowe move! What a move! Yeah, what a power move! I'm just wearing an NFL, NFL. hat. I'm not wearing a jersey. I'm not repping a team. I'm repping the league. I'm repping the NFL with an NFL hat. That's a power move. Rob Lowe, respect. Gotta gotta love that move. Yeah, good for Monica. She'll have a blast going to that game. And uh, wearing Bill's gear to a Texans-Browns game? (laughs) You're in their kitchen, Monica. That's bold. I like it. Yeah, yeah. people are like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, All right, we'll get to uh, Matt Perino of the Syracuse Post Standard. He joins us next. We'll talk more Bills and Steelers here on The Fan. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia on 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Fan Rochester Sports Update. Another firing today in the NFL. The Tennessee Titans letting go their head coach, Mike Vrabel. Bills and Steelers coming up on Sunday. Head coach Sean McDermott talking about the opponent. You know, we got a good football team coming in here who is very resilient, uh, very well coached. They have a talented roster, and, um, you know, this is going to be a good football game, and we've got to prepare for that. Um, so, um, you know, we've got some work to do here. We'll talk to Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard in the Shout Podcast coming up next year in the Sports Bar. The Buffalo Sabres are 0-4 all-time against the Seattle Kraken. Sabres in Seattle tonight. That can be heard on 96.5 WCMF. Buffalo has won two in a row. we got St. John Fisher basketball tonight. The Cardinals looking to remain undefeated in Empire 8 play as they take on Cuca. Our coverage will begin at 7.30. Gene Battaglia the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950. The Fan Rochester. Top Shelf Sports Talk. You're hanging out in the sports bar with Danger and Bataglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950. The Fan, Rochester. You know, we've got familiarity with Buffalo. We've got familiarity with that venue. I'm sure they say similar things about us. Um, it's January football. Um, they have a lot of tape to digest and analyze and to, to prepare for, as do we. And so it's chestnut checkers this time of year. We're really excited about it all. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin talking about the Bills coming in uh, to Orchard Park Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. Let's talk more about the game. Let's let's look back at, at Sunday's win in Miami as well. We welcome in, as we do every Tuesday afternoon, Matt Perino of the Syracuse Post Standard. Matt, I, I, I just kind of want to start off with a, a bit of a curveball, and I'm only bringing it up because Sean McDermott brought it up, the idea that in the preseason, this Steelers team absolutely mauled Buffalo. Is that McDermott just bringing it up to kind of pump up the Steelers' tires a little bit? Because, God, I, I, the, the preseason means so little to me as a fan that I almost forgot how bad the Bills looked against the Steelers that, that afternoon. I don't know if there's anybody in the world that hates the 2-7 matchup on the two side of things more than Sean McDermott because the expectations are so high. I mean, they're a 9-point favorite, 10-point favorites at this point, and you know, they're coming off five wins in a row, and I think you're always working against this idea of complacency. Now, I don't think that with everything that they've gone through this year, that this is a team that has the luxury of getting complacent. But I, I also think that a coach is going to use every, pull every lever that they can. And, you know, I noted it when he said it yesterday and I had a little fun with it, but I do think it's, I remember 
that game and in the post-game locker room talking to Deion Dawkins about it, and he was like, this is a wake-up call. Like, to come out here in this game and get pushed around like this. Now, I know that it was – they were playing all their starters, and I don't think the Bills were playing all their starters. I'd have to go back and take a closer look at the game. But, you know, Dawkins, you know, it felt like a butt-kicking. And that's something that I think that you can motivate your team with, knowing that, yeah, it's a 10-7 and team, but they, they're, there's talent over there, especially in the skill positions. I mean, you look at Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they're, they're two of the most fun young running backs in the league when it comes to just how they complement each other and their styles of running. And then Pickens and Deontay Johnson, you know, if they have a great game, if they're dialed in, they're a fun young tandem in their own right. So it comes out of the quarterback. Mason Rudolph has his challenges, but I've, I was doing a preview, uh, an early look episode of shot this morning with um, uh, a Steelers writer. And one of the things we talked about was how impressed I've been with some of the throws that Mason Rudolph has made in three games. It hasn't been like sustained excellence, but there's been some high level throws that he's made that I don't remember him making the last time around. So if you let them hang around in this game and he gets off one of those throws or one of those plays, it's going to be competitive. And Mike Tomlin coached team, they're always tough. Yeah. Before we dive more into the Steelers here, Matt, bring us back to, to Miami. You were down there. Like, what was the scene like with Bills fans? What was the percentage, would you say? And what was it like in the locker room after? Uh, because this is a team, four years in a row, they've won the divisional title. Um, was it like, hey, old business? Or did it actually actually mean something to this team, That considering that at one point they were 6-6 six and six here? I mean, I think it was a combination of the two. Like, I think whenever you get a chance to win the division, especially being where the Bills were, I think, like, during the bye week, they had a 4% chance to win the division. And that's crazy to think about, like, five weeks removed from, you know, some of the conversations that we were having. So I think that there is a awareness for what they've accomplished and an excitement about that. But all these guys have been here before, for the most part. Um, you know, there's a even – even the newer players, I mean, you t- take guys like Leonard Floyd and Connor McGovern, they played big-time playoff games. Floyd has a Super Bowl ring. So they, they know that this is just the ticket into what they have to, you know, get into to accomplish what they want. But there was – there was joy. There was – there was um, celebration. There was, you know, the, a pause in that moment. Like, just seeing a guy – you know, one story I'll take out – is like Dalton Kincaid, right? Like, it's so funny that we, we get so invested in the NFL world and how it operates and, you know, that there's no time, right? Like, it's you get, you get in here for a first-round draft pick, you've got to produce, and he did. He had a great rookie season. He break the, the Bills all-time uh, rookie receiving record. Um, but he's also a very young player, and, you know, I think it was Joe Brady that was talking about that yesterday and that sometimes you've got to remind yourself that this is still a rookie that – isn't doing rookie things. But in that moment in the locker room, I felt like he was a rookie, right? Like wide-eyed, innocence, like looking around, like just really enjoying the accomplishment. There's so many weeks of the year where it's like, you know, you're just so head down, grinding, trying to get better, trying to figure it all out as your head's probably spinning at times. And I felt like that was like a cool moment to just see a young kid really basking in uh, an accomplishment that he had a big hand in too, in the way that this offense is played. And uh, there's a lot of experience in that room, but there's also some of those cool stories that I think um, uh, it was cool to witness. We're going to learn more about the health of the Buffalo bills here through the course of the week, Matt, but 
Man, I'm a little alarmed when when you consider that Miami game. You, you lost some really, really important pieces, both both sides of the ball. Uh, how do you think, I mean, we saw the performance of Dane Jackson. We saw Khalil Shakir step up. We even saw Trent Shurfield haul one in. Uh, defensively, you know, you, you, you're asking more out of Taylor Rapp. You're asking more out of Dane Jackson. Um, Bale Inspector, of course, having himself a get, getting thrust into action as well. Um, who do you think we may see more of this weekend if if we don't see Gabe Davis, if, if Rasul Douglas isn't ready to go? I think I'd mentioned this in a podcast sometime in the middle of the year when uh, in a live show, a fan was mentioning um, they're just dissatisfaction with the, with the production of Trent Sherfield. And I pushed back a little bit and I said to me, Trent Sherfield at the, at that point, And even to now, he more felt like insurance for Gabe Davis, right? Like they went out and they, you know, we talk so much about Taylor Rapp being that for Hyde employer. And I feel like Sherfield in a lot of ways was that guy that can come in and replicate what Gabe Davis gives this offense. And we saw it on Sunday against Miami when he went out of the game I felt like Sherfield's importance and value and opportunity grew. And then we saw the real version of him. Like, there, of course, everybody's going to talk about the touchdown. Really opportunistic, really, you know, heady awareness play to make that play. But we're not talking enough about it. And then there was a comment on Twitter today, and I liked it. I, I agree with it. About his play on the Dawson-Knox touchdown that really cleared the way to open things up for Knox. Get him open in the flat. He kind of set like a natural screen. Uh, and got upfield a little bit in his route and did it. And then Knox obviously makes the score. I mean, that's Trent Sherfield, right? Like Gabe Davis did the same exact thing earlier in the game to spring Khalil Shakir on a kind of a pick play or a, a block, excuse me, on that, on that uh, short screenplay. So I think you'll see a lot more Sherfield if, if Davis can't go. That's why they brought him in. I think Balen Spector, I mean, listen, it's a lot to ask him to replicate what he did last week. But again, it's, it's a, it's a matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers where I think it, it suits Spectre a little bit more. I think that his quickness and side-to-side is a little bit more well-versed in, uh, against the run than maybe in coverage. I don't think his coverage grade was actually even that, that great. He was really flying around. He had that one tackle for a loss in that game, which I think was good. To me, the guy that you really hope is okay and can go is Rasul Douglas. Uh, I, think, I, I always think Dane Jackson will be up to a challenge. I think you can trust him. You saw Sean McDermott getting emotional talking about him after the game. But Douglas has been so good, and he is that guy that you could count on uh, to take the ball away in a, in a lot of games. So uh, it's trending, it seems like, in a good direction for him. But, again, we don't really have a good idea of any of this uh, until they start practicing tomorrow. Yeah, we're talking to Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard. As uh, gosh, I remember listening to you. Might have been leading into the Dolphin game, just sitting in traffic trying to get to the stadium. So you're there early at the stadium, Matt. I'm not. Um, and the topic. Remember weeks two, three, four. Hey, what's going on with the Dol- Dalton Kincaid? He ended up with 73 receptions. Uh, your thoughts uh, on Kincaid? Because, yes, um, w- what a kind of a developing player here, and it's exciting to see what's going to happen in year two. And might we actually see more 12 personnel as the playoffs go along here, Matt? Maybe. Um, I do like how Joe Brady has kind of settled into his usage in terms of flipping them in 11, too. Uh, I don't think they want to become 12 dependent and even – play as much 12 as they did early in the season. Now I haven't looked at the splits in the last couple of games, but they are playing a higher uh, amount of, of, of 12. And I'd have to take a look at that. But in, ter- in terms of the player, 
He's exactly what they drafted him to be. Uh, I thought in that Miami game, he really helped settle Josh Allen down, right? Like some of that work that they did over the middle of the field, just a short passing game. I thought the way they utilized Diggs, especially at the start of that game, was also the same kind of result. Like a lot of those easy button plays where you could just get five yards, keep the the down and distance in a manageable place, and, and Kincaid is so good at that. What I really want them to start doing uh, and maybe it doesn't happen this year. And then this is something like that becomes an off season, uh, you know, go work on this kind of talking point for the coaches is like working things down the field for him. And we saw a, a glimmer of it with the 54 yarder uh, two weeks ago. And, and I think that the, he has that in his toolbox. And I don't know if they use him up the seam and, and down the field enough. And I don't know if it's just, he's not getting himself separation or open down there. Although he is getting crazy amounts of separation. I think he's, he's leading the bills and, separation yards per route run. Um, but he's been great. He's been everything that they were hoping that he would be. And with Shakir's um, evolution uh, over the course of this season, I think you're in a really good place that if you can't retain Gabe Davis, you're in a good spot to A, go out and draft a wide receiver. And then you have King, uh, Khalil Shakir, who is like this, he, he can play in the slot, but he can also do other things too. Like he's not slot specific. Um, but he really excels in that role as well. So they have a lot of talent in the pass catchers uh, on their on their offense. Now, when you see practice tomorrow, Matt, I want I want you to, to kind of keep a keen eye out for James Cook. I want him on that jugs machine. I want him on the jugs machine for the majority of practice because we can't keep having uh, a guy that's on the cusp of becoming a star in the NFL dropping easy touchdown passes again. The drop uh, with James Cook there, uh, you know, which ended up leading to the Bills not being able to score at the end of the first half. Um, but Cook's production here, and I know Allen was the star on Sunday night. You know, New England's a tough run defense. You know, could we expect to see James Cook have a game if the Bills want to be physical and, and play that style against the Steelers come Sunday? Yeah, I could see the Bills trying to, like, you know, get their passing game going early to try to open up, then open up the run. And, and I think James Cook could be a big part of that in terms of getting the ball in his hands, being a little bit more creative with how you do that. Um, you know, that's, that's one of those ones that he's going to look back at at the end of the season. And they, and they won. So I, I guess you won't look at it in the same way as you would if you had, had you lost. But you got to make that play. And I was super critical of Josh at halftime. You know, uh, I probably didn't talk enough about that Cook play that really derailed that, that scoring drive. Um, only because he had been so, um, what's the word? Like he just took too many chances in, in places that I just don't think in a game of that magnitude, you could take those chances. And and those are the ones that are going to potentially really hurt this team. And they're ones that like situationally and, and Josh owned it after the game. He always does. He owns the fact that over those first 30 minutes, there was just a lot of that game where situationally the bills were putting themselves at a disadvantage handing over points or not cashing in on easy points. I mean, if you put those three plays together, one of them was in the second half, you know, the Ty Johnson play, the interception when he was, when Gabe Davis went the wrong way or Allen went the wrong way. And then the fumble, not taking care of the football on a definite sack when you're not going to be able to get out of that. And you're not going to be able to do anything with it. You'd cost yourself nine points there. And you know, if that, if Deontay Hardy doesn't run back that, that kick for a touchdown, that's the difference in the game. And that's how close these games are at this time of the year. Uh, but to your point, that James Cook play, like 
that is a trust killer when it comes to Josh Allen looking for him in this offense. And I don't think it's going to be like, oh, James Cook dropped that touchdown. He's not going to throw him the ball anymore. He is. I mean, he's too talented not to. But it's always going to be something that's probably in the back of your head, and he's got to start making some some of those plays. And I think it's a, an important piece as they kind of go into this next phase, the, the, the playoffs. He's got to be a little bit more intentional about those plays because that kind of thing could completely kill a game against the Chiefs or the Ravens or the 49ers or Cowboys. I mean, they're going to. They're all going to be tough at this point. Yeah, Matt, I'm trying to picture what Sunday may be like. And if we get kind of just light snow and it's tougher footing, that's actually advantage wide receiver. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, if, if the Bills put it up this game and if they do, I, my goodness, if they put Levi Wallace on Diggs or if that's Shakir on uh, Levi Wallace guarding him. I mean, y- your thoughts on the former Buffalo Bill, like refresh your memory here, Levi Wallace. And is that a player that, uh, you know, you can kind of go after here? Oh, definitely. I mean, he was a player that teams went after in Buffalo. Uh, I mean, I remember like uh, many a time where, you know, teams would just avoid Trey White's side of the, t- the field and completely try to attack Levi Wallace and, Leslie Frazier famously used to say, you know, it felt like 10, 10 press conferences in a season. Like, yeah, Levi, they're going to keep going after you until you force them not to. Uh, so I, I don't think they're in a situation where in a perfect world, he'd even be on the field. Like he'd be more in that death role uh, based on the conversations I've had early this week, but he's probably going to pay because play because they're so banged up in their secondary. Uh, so I think that's definitely a place they can go. I also just think their back end in general with Minka Fitzpatrick so banged up that that's an area that you're going to there you're going to attack and then without TJ Watt there's real concern in Pittsburgh that they're not going to be able to generate the kind of pressure it takes to go up against uh, an offense like this. So it's definitely like a listen there's a lot of advantageous matchups in this game and I, and I think not having TJ Watt out there what is I think the record's 1 in 10 in games that he hasn't played since they drafted him. Uh, so it's not a good history. He he is their defensive identity in a lot of ways. Alex Highsmith is a really good player. And watching him last week against the Ravens, he just flies off the ball. And they're going to have to have a plan for that. But when that's all you have to worry about is just one guy as opposed to what they've always seemed to have. You know who the Steelers could really use right now is Melvin Ingram. Because I don't know what it is about that guy, but every single time he plays the Bills, he just finds a way to go off. I mean, he looked out of shape. He looked like 34 the other day, and he still ended up with uh, one and a half sacks. Matt, um, we can talk about what happens after Sunday. The team won't do it, but let's just allow ourselves for a moment to imagine the Bills winning on Super Wild Card Weekend. How do you see the rest of the bracket playing out here in the AFC? I think a lot of us are, are licking our chops thinking that if Kansas City can dispatch of Miami, uh, the, the Chiefs coming up to Buffalo would be uh, one hell of a divisional round matchup game. Yeah, I think that's the one you want, too. Um, because I think it pushes out what I think is a very realistic possibility, which could be the Bills, if they beat the Steelers and then let's say the Chiefs win, there's a world we could live in where Joe Flacco goes on the road in Baltimore and just completely kills their season. Like, Would that not just be the most hilarious storyline in January for that to happen? Because of all the things that have happened for that organization since he left. And, you know, the the saga around the Lamar Jackson contract and he finally gets it and they shift gears with Todd Monk and an offensive coordinator and add a couple of weapons, one in the draft in the first round and Zay Flowers and then Odell Beckham and they, they both look the part and then you get into the playoffs and it's another epic 
failure for Baltimore. And don't forget that. Like people, you know, so we, we get so caught up in the moment that people don't remember the history. And the history for Lamar Jackson is no success in the playoffs. He's got one playoff win. Uh, and I know he's got that regular season MVP trophy, and he's one of the best players in the NFL. And he's having the kind of season where I expect him to play better and have more success in this playoff run. Um, but I think that Cleveland Browns defense is as good as any, if not the best, in the field on either conference. And so I think they can go on their own. Then you're talking about potentially the Bills hosting the AFC title game, which I don't know. I don't care who you play. That To me, that's the scenario that you want to be in. That's what Sean McDermott has been talking about since he took this job, you know, is doing enough in the regular season so that you're hosting playoff games. And if you host all of them and, and to be able to maybe get that kind of run and, and potentially try to get to the Super Bowl, um, even if you have to go on the road against Baltimore, I, I, I still, you know, I, I'm, I don't know what the, the rosters will look like at that point in the injuries, but I feel very comfortable picking the Bills to win that game, knowing the history that Sean McDermott has against Lamar knowing how battle-tested the Bills are down the stretch. Now, Baltimore is, too. They've played a lot of good teams. they beat a lot of good teams. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I, it feels like, it's felt like since that Jets game that this has been trending in this direction with the way that the Bills um, have had to figure out ways to win games. I still don't think they've played their best game. Would you guys agree that maybe the best game they've really played, well, it would probably be the Cowboys, right? Yeah. But I, I almost felt like, well, offensively, I think that their best game was against the Eagles, and they lost that game. And, you know, since then, they figured out a way to win all these games, and um, it's going to be fun to cover this. I, I, I go, three weeks, four weeks ago, I was thinking about, like, what it was going to be like to cover the calamity that would be them missing the playoffs. And now it's this whole new, you know, view on what this next month is potentially going to be like, but it starts in Pittsburgh. And I do agree with some of the fan sentiment out there that nobody should be looking past this game. Like this is still a Pittsburgh team that, you know, they just don't make mistakes. They don't, they're not great, but they don't make a lot of mistakes and they make you beat them. So the bills are going to have to do that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the, the bills are a 59 yard field goal away from a seven game winning streak, Matt. That's the only thing. That's crazy to think how things are kind of gone along. Uh, tell us what you and Ryan, the, the shout podcast schedule here and what we can read on uh, the Syracuse Post standard this week, man. Yeah, I, I wrote a story last week. that I spent a lot of time on. Um, it's still relevant. I think today it's how the bills saved their season. Uh, spent some time with Reggie Gilliam and learned a bit of a story uh, going back to his, uh, if you remember that game against the Jets, when he started it off with the, with the big hit and forced fumble, uh, he gave a little backstory on that uh, that I learned about. I wrote about that and just, you know, how this team has come together and, uh, you know, it's got a, got a lot of good feedback. So that's off at the website. Feel free to check that out. We're, we'll probably have a similar, bigger feature story uh, at the end of this week. Uh, I'm starting to kind of pick through all that. And then from a show perspective, dude, every single day, it does not stop. I got one up right now. First look at the Steelers. Uh, Nick Faribault, he covers the Steelers for SteelersNow.com. Tomorrow is the staple show. Thursday, I have an interview with Mike Sando from The Athletic. Uh, we'll also have our Syracuse.com uh, weather reporter coming on for a quick look at the weather this weekend. And then we'll have our preview show Saturday night, Wingnuts, 1402 Millersport Highway, the new location, Wingnuts Bar and Grill, is unbelievable. If you're coming in for the game from Rochester, maybe you want to come a night early, get a hotel room, come out to Wingnuts, uh, hang out with me and Ryan. It's going to be a good time. Matt, um, I, you know, put this in, in your calendar for next week. Gino will be on assignment next week. So you, me, 
And uh, Alex Brasky, just yeah. three bros talking Bills. Hopefully we're talking a Bills victory. I hope you enjoy your weekend, buddy. Thanks, man. And listen, you got me really pumped up. Uh, Gino out, Brasky in. That's going to be a fun episode. I can't wait. You know, the way you phrase that, do you want a mulligan on that, Matt? <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. I'm going to miss you so much. Can you, you, can you just call me? Just you after the you show can't hear how wide my smile is uh, right now. You cannot hear. I'll see you Sunday, Matt. Thanks for Love your time, you, Matt. We'll see you, Matt. Take care, guys. Yeah. Matt Perino, the Syracuse Post Standard. Always good with his time to join us here. Looking ahead to next week, Gino will be on assignment, so it'll be the oh, On assignment? I'm going to be in Utica. Yes, like, on, a, like, yeah, on assignment. Yeah, that's, I mean, nobody that, goes yeah. to Utica unless you're on assignment. <laughs> you're on assignment yes. in Utica. And uh, Brasky from the uh, Batavia Daily News Bills Digest. He'll also be stopping by uh, co-hosting with me uh, a week from today. But uh, love having Perino on with us. Uh, good stuff, as always, from him. Worth checking out at NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse Post Standard, the Shout Podcast as well. All right, we got some takes on tap next in the sports bar, Gina. Yeah, so um, my gosh, it is the silly season, the NFL. Lots of rumors. Who's everybody talking to? Oh my gosh, I, I am just going to be devouring this whole Carolina Panthers process. They've already started this danger, and I'm telling you, it's unlike any process we've seen in terms of hiring a new GM and head coach. I will explain why all of a sudden, in a in a weird way, I'm actually a fan of the Carolina Panthers. We'll see if you agree with it or not. And it's never too soon to start thinking about next fantasy football season. Probably, if you're addicts like Danger and I, you review what happened this year. Can you apply lessons from last year? Andy Barron's has a piece up right now, and there is a great lesson here when it comes to how to if you if you're in a dynasty league anything like that i'll share his thoughts um i want to go back to a story we touched on yesterday it's a lingering storyline from sunday and it's really not even a storyline anymore but upon further review and now after reviewing comments made post game i am all in on Jameis winston Jameis winston's awesome I love me, love me some Jameis Winston. I'll explain and also wait for you to set a tone. It's a new move I uh, unveiled in my house this weekend. Uh, and it, it might be, it just might be the, the move of a champion. I'll explain. We'll share some takes next. I'll drink to Are that you, is on the way. You as excited as Perino to have Brasky and me out? No, Gino. I, I, okay, I dread right. the days okay. that you go on assignment. I, you know, it's like peanut butter without jelly. You, you got to have both of us. Brasky will be fine. It was I, just like, I that took me a little back there. We'll be Perino's good. a little bit. <laughs> well, that's Perino egging you and knowing exactly his role. Uh, and by the way, if you came in later, if you missed Matt Perino, we'll get that up and on uh, demand for you shortly wherever you get your podcast. Just search out the Sports Bar on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. You're listening to the Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia on 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 